Smartcast. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hold on to your butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Westman demands. Now this affects Iris. Um, Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you. Don't take drugs! Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host Iris and I'm here with my older brother. Wesley! Nope. Wesley! Nope. I can't do it. What's that supposed to be? Howie Mandel does it. It's supposed to be like the worst gizmo ever. <laughs> Wesley! <laughs> Wesley! You know, it's got to be like way more like soft. I can't do that. Only Howie Mandel can do it. That was Wesley doing his best or worst depending on how you look at it (laughs) gizmo impression because today we're reviewing a movie from 1984 what is it called wesley gremlins available now on hbo max so what do you think of i'm gonna just jump right in the ending of gremlins (laughs) man is it a little anticlimactic compared to all the hullabaloo and shenanigans and rigmarole that's a lot of or words. Whatever word <laughs> that the gremlins get themselves into and the town into. It which part anticlimactic? So you just watched it. Yes. Tell me what happens at the end of Gremlins. Are we talking about the showdown in the greenhouse or whatever, or in the store with Stripe and Gizmo and Billy? No, I'm talking about when Grandfather just shows up at Billy's house and walks away with Gizmo. Uh, yeah, the uh, the Mary Poppins coda. The what? The Mary Poppins coda, where he walks off into a matte painting. Yeah, I guess, yeah, except we're talking Chinatown versus, like, whatever, 19-whatever London, but yeah. And Randall Peltzer doing the voiceover. Goodbye, Gizmo. Yeah. Didn't that seem a little anticlimactic it, for, dude, you know, Gizmo to be, be like, peace out, it's Billy? It's Steven Spielberg. Remember Minority Report? And it's all crazy, and they're chasing eyeballs down the hallway and stuff, and then we end in a log cabin sipping cocoa? It's like, oh, it's Steven Spielberg fairy tale stuff. <laughs> And I get it. This movie was directed by Joe Dante, but Steven Spielberg was all over it, man. He had his thumb in everything. Watching Gremlins made Goonies make so much more sense. <laughs> Goonies being Does the, that make sense? the ultra-serious, realistic movie. <laughs> well, I mean, when, I, when the Gremlins are gleefully driving the snowplow, I was like, this is what Steven Spielberg was trying to create with the great gorilla hijinks in, the, in, in Troy's convertible. The dude loves this kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, didn't didn't that make 
the gorilla joyride make so much more sense? I mean, I guess so, but it also it doesn't suggest that it made that it made enough sense to warrant inclusion. I mean, he tried to do the same thing. Basically, the gremlins were aliens, I guess, run amok in the town, and they tested gremlins with with monkeys, monkeys in suits. What? Yeah, and but they could what see. I mean, they tested them like they did a screen test with monkeys in in a co- in costumes. I don't know about a screen test. They did a costuming test where they put the monkey. This is like Predator. They put the monkeys in gremlin suits, and the monkeys looked down and they saw their weird clawed gremlin hands and totally freaked out and ran amok and tore up the office and shit all over the place. <laughs> Well, the shitting all over the place was had to have been inevitable. And, and so they destroyed everything, and they're like, so puppets? Okay, puppets. <laughs> okay, that's weird. Um, how exactly... Oh, man, I have two places to go with this. So one, I really would love for you to enlighten me on how Gremlins is a family holiday movie. <laughs> oh, man, that's a tough call. <laughs> and second... What are gremlins other than just aliens as people behaving badly? Yeah, that's basically it. They're carnage. They are, what, symbolically or whatever, the bad side of humanity? Because gremlins, they're kind of white trashy, right? They're like they're like white trash. Um, <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to say that. All right. They're like redneck Yodas. They're all like scaly and, and mean and smoking and have guns and stuff, and they're running around causing chaos. Maybe roughnecks? No, redneck. For sure. Green neck. They're green neck Yodas. That comes from the novelization, the idea that they're aliens. I mean, which I guess is a given. But in this movie, they're just kind of more portrayed as part of the mystical Orient and the legends and smoke and haze and neon of Chinatown. And obviously they would have secret like foreign monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they're basically just... They can basically speak. And in the bar scene, in no other scene other than the bar scene, are, is it more clear that they just want to behave badly? Like they're doing all, they're like exemplifying all the vices, like smoking and drinking and gambling. And I think a, one gremlin flashes Kate. Right. Or at least approximates a flash. I wonder too. <laughs> oh yeah. And she returns with a flash in kind. But uh, <laughs> then um, I wondered how many people would know. Like, I don't think flashers are a thing anymore. I guess they just do it online. Ew. I mean, that's a major problem. But yeah, I don't think there's trench coat where like street flashers that much. There's not like the, when was the last time that we, that we saw someone like run naked across a soccer field? Well, I, I, there's accountability, man. I There's cameras everywhere. If not mounted cameras, everyone's got a phone probably in their hand. It's got to be hard to flash somebody and get away with it now. Yeah. You can't disappear into the night. Mm-hmm. Just the irony is that that gremlin was dramatic, so dramatic as to seek out a trench coat and like flash what they're normally naked anyway. Are there male and female gremlins? Yeah, didn't you see the one in the bar with the lipstick? That's what I was asking. But like, is that just a dude gremlin wearing lipstick for effect? It seems like they reproduce asexually. And as such, I guess it's just like a party and it's like whatever, whoever you want to be. But aside from gender, I think the gremlins are just kind of dramatic and theatrical. They're like, I'm going to do the the lipstick mobster mall kind of thing. And then there's trench coats and sunglasses and hats and revolvers for the other ones. Because they go to Mrs. Deagle and they're like, let's go knock off that Deagle babe, right? Like, and so, But instead of just going to kill her, they terrorize her and they seek out little jackets and scarves and earmuff stuff. And they like go through this charade of caroling before they kill her. Right. They're like all dressed up and go to the movies and stuff. They take a lot of time and care, like ski masks and junk. 
But just because they're laughing and having fun doesn't mean that it's like cool for them to terrorize and murder people. I mean, they start with the teacher. I'm assuming that was a high school, right? Right. The, the science teacher. Yeah. Do they drug and murder him? Yeah. He's under the table. Yeah. I like that you're surprised. And this is the toned down version of this movie because the original treatment and the Chris Columbus stuff was really, really dark. This is Steven Spielberg level dark. This is one syringe in the butt. It was originally like dozens of syringes in his face Ew! and billy's mom gets her head cut off and her head thrown down the stairs oh my god <laughs> she's also mrs lachance man maybe she just follows Corey feldman around everywhere <laughs> yes yeah, so now so maybe like gordy and uh, mouth are brothers Wait, what's his name in Stand By Me? <laughs> Gordy and Mouth. You're crossing the streams. It was Teddy. <laughs> Teddy Duchamp. Yeah, maybe Gordy and Teddy are like alternate universe brothers. So I, I think there was a lot of confusion around Mrs. Peltzer. But Gremlins is considered a family holiday movie. Yep. This does not feel accurate to me. A movie that in some instances drove families out of the theater who came for the first half in the lovely cuddly gizmo and then they were like wait what is happening when things yeah. go completely to hell number one. Number two definitely a Christmas movie obviously a Christmas movie released in the middle of summer of 1984. Oh, weird. Yeah, they were just angling for a better spot or whatever. And I guess the summer season wasn't that crowded. But despite the fact that everyone knows what Gremlins is, still couldn't open at number one at the box office. Was, in fact, the third most successful movie of 1984. The third most successful? Yep. What could possibly have trumped a movie like Gremlins at the box office in 1984? Back to the Future? Nope. 1985. Ready for top four, 1984? Top four, 1984. Number four, Karate Kid. Oh, man. It topped Karate Kid? Beating the Karate Kid was Gremlins. You know, that might have been 1984, but I'm I'm guessing that Karate Kid has taken its rightful place above Gremlins yeah. in terms of, like, lifetime box office. Uh, and do you think on top of that, it, all, it has also eclipsed Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? Number two? Yep. Probably not. Number one movie, 1984. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters! So a lot of competition. <laughs> I mean, that was a hell of a summer, I think. But uh, this, was, this was Night of the Living Dead for kids who were allowed into a movie and, and didn't know what to do. And that's kind of a larger theme for Gremlins. Dude, PG rated? Yep. And along with Indiana Jones, this is too much in the summer of 1984. They were like, guys, this is obviously family-ish content, which warrants, you know, a slightly higher rating than PG, even if it's not quite R. And so Gremlins and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom together helped to orchestrate the uh, PG-13 rating. Wow. And Steven Spielberg himself. Man, he had a good year. Yeah, a really big year. But Sense has not been re-rated as PG-13, despite multiple murders, hell-raising, display of vice, some cursing. Are you, are you reading this from the parental guide on IMDb or something? <laughs> I, it, I do sound very common sense media right now, but no, I'm just recounting like the things that shocked me. Even as an adult watching this 40 years later. Yep. At least on Prime, it's rated PG. I don't know if that's the official rating. But, you know, stuff changes all the time. That's the poster quote. 
I don't know, but it, it, this is Indiana Jones and the <laughs> Temple of Doom was also the movie that Steven Spielberg and George Lucas look back on as unnecessarily dark and disturbed. It's their least favorite of the Indiana Jones movies uh, because George Lucas was going through a terrible divorce. They were like both kind of in a dark place. And so they were just like, man, let's mess it all up. And ironically, Steven Spielberg is the arbiter of the happier, more positive elements of Gremlins, the cutesy stuff. But yes, it definitely steers, veers like a Barbie dream car or whatever, Barbie Corvette, into really dark territory. Really dark. Like the Barbie Corvette and Gizmo finds themselves in like a really bad neighborhood. <laughs> that was Joe Dante or that was Chris Columbus' script? I think that Joe Dante was a protege of Steven Spielberg, uh, frankly, in the same way that Robert Zemeckis was. And as such... This is as much a Steven Spielberg movie probably as his. So Chris Columbus, who wrote a really dark script, had it dialed back by Steven Spielberg in a lot of respects. But still, the tone shifts so dramatically from what people were expecting. I think that is what kind of prevents Gremlins from being a perennial favorite. That's why we're doing it, because we're going off script. I don't know. I mean, it seems to make all the holiday lists, like right up there with that one with the kid and the BB gun and home alone for all their attempts to be family friendly and certainly they they really steered some things in order to to drive merchandising and stuff they were not nice to the christmas season with kate's story about her dad mm, that was awful and very dark jeez uh, which uh, Spielberg didn't want to include, but he let jo Joe Dante get away with it. And the fact that the gremlins killed and ate Santa on the lawn in front of the cops. <laughs> it's crazy. Gremlins is kind of unhinged in that way. And maybe that's why it's not my favorite, because it's a little bit too unbalanced. I like Gremlins and I've seen it multiple times, but I don't have it memorized like I do a lot of the other movies of its era. Just uh, it was a little bit too scary as a kid and a little bit too family friendly and cheesy as an adult. And I think that tonal shift in the middle, if it had been consistent, then I could have typed it. But because it shifts so wildly, it's like, what is this? There hasn't been a tone shift this severe since, well, I guess Million Dollar Baby way out. This is like the Million Dollar Baby of Muppet movies. Like she hits her head and then it's like a completely different movie. Yes. And we never come back. And just when you think there's some hope, her leg is gone and then he kills her. Spoiler. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, let's just talk about all the people who want to commit suicide during the holidays. <sighs> Jeez, Wes. Yeah. That's what this movie is, man. It's like a nasty old smelly sock and you hang it up as a, as a Christmas stocking. <laughs> the underside, the underbelly of Christmas. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. There's a reason that I haven't seen Gremlins since I was a kid. Right. Probably because back in the 80s, you probably tied me to a chair and made me watch it. And uh, now you're making me watch it again. And like trying to open up all my own old trauma from having seen this film as a kid. So I think this is the third review in a row. I want to clarify for the listeners that I never actually physically tied you to a chair to my recollection. I may have queued up a movie and then sat you down and pressed play, but that's it. <laughs> 
Easy for you to say now. Anyway, you wanted to watch Gremlins. The Gremlins are still scary to me. Like, they are scary to look at. Gremlins is dark, and I don't think it gets recognized for kind of what it wanted to be recognized for. Because there's, like, fun, cute, little alien guy. And then there's mean, violent alien guys. And uh, <laughs> and then it becomes blah, 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 <laughs> the, the duality of man and, and the dark side of this or that or whatever. No evidence, uh, no more strongly than the fact that Gizmo was supposed to become Stripe and was supposed to go from lovable and cuddly to horrific and murdery. What do you mean supposed to? In the script, Gizmo turns into Stripe when he goes into the water instead of like st Stripe popping off his back. Oh, and they decided against it because the movie was going to lose its entire sense of humanity? Yeah, well, no, the because the, the movie was going to lose its entire sense of marketing and cuddly merchandising. <laughs> because and that was a great move because gizmos were all the thing as much as the ets were and gizmos were the direct inspiration for the furbies spielberg was insistent that gizmo not only survive uh not become striped but maintain his cute and cuddliness and that he be the hero at the end yeah because gizmo's pretty just kind of fluffy and useless for the majority of the time hanging out in Billy's backpack. And I guess he seizes the opportunity. He sees the skylight and he like launches his car with the rake or the, the shovel or whatever it was. And then he flew into the wall and then he pulled the thing. Like that was all very intentional on Gizmo's part. He could have at least knocked Stripe off the fountain or gone through the window or something. Yeah. And then he jumps up and does the thing when it was supposed to be Billy who pulls back the shade and kills him Jerry Dandridge style, you know? Yeah. Even though he doesn't go down like Jerry Dandridge, he goes down like uh, Billy Cole, the roommate. Like in the most disgusting way possible. Oh, right. All melty and still going. <laughs> and then he pops out of the fountain for that one last scare. All like melted and skeletal. Well, obviously. Well, gremlins are animated by what? Their bones? But apparently not because even the bones dissolved into jelly. Yeah. They got to make it as creepy as possible and as tormenting and torturous for kids as possible. <laughs> so bizarre. Wasn't that one movie, Harold the Duck, wasn't that like entirely meant for parents and adults? Harold the Duck. And wasn't he also like really terrifying? Howard. It doesn't matter how terrifying Howard the Duck was. Nobody saw that movie. <laughs> because it looked terrible. Howard the Duck and Gremlins, not dissimilar machines. Unnecessarily gross and weird animatronics. Okay, what other creatures are negatively affected by water and yet still come to our planet despite it being filled with water? The other aliens and signs? This is just a, like a discussion full of spoilers for other movies. You think, come into this one thinking you're safe. We spoil signs. What else did we spoil uh, completely and totally? Million Dollar Baby? Yeah, which, random. We have to put disclaimers. Wait, so the aliens, aliens and signs, there was something else we discussed recently where it was like... Aliens in a quiet place not being the best swimmers. That's right. They don't have very paddle-like appendages. So when Gizmo gets wet, first of all, it hurts him when he multiplies, right? Yes. Like spontaneously. he And I think cockroaches are the only other bug that like can, con then can spontaneously mu multiply. I don't know, but I got images of those frogs, and I love frogs, but those frogs with like the tadpoles and junk growing on its back and like wolf spiders with all the young crawling all over it, it's just unnecessary wiggling and bubbling. That's distressing. Right. Not so much for Gizmo because they're furry and like triple like. But when Stripe is like defiantly on top of the fountain and he's all bubbling and stuff, 
It's pretty gross. It's pretty gross. And the pupil stage is really gross. Yeah. And their death is disgusting. So it seems like it, it hurts him. And he spontaneously multiplies. And possibly gremlins can spontaneously change sex like frogs and, and cockroaches can also do. It's like a weird survival mechanism. Not that there's a necessity for sex since they don't need to copulate in order to reproduce. Maybe that's what they were doing in the theater. Maybe it was like a gremlin orgy. That's what you do in theaters, right? <laughs> to Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a good romp in the thing, for sure. They're having a grand old time. Snackies and partying and... Yeah, if nothing else, they're diligent party planners, right? They got all the snacks and everything. They got all the costumes, the music and everything. Gremlins know how to have a good time. But the question I'm trying to get out is, why were the mogwai that Gizmo spawns different? Because they were mogwai and not gremlins. Stripe was like plotting day one, like, hey, let's chew up the phone cord and and stop the clock and get him to feed us after midnight. Like he had a plan. Yeah, they're kids. Kids are horrible. Kids always want to eat when they're not supposed to eat and want to be up when they're not supposed to be up. Gizmo was handed down through the ages, right? He was probably pretty old. And these kids muck stuff up and when you don't have the discipline to monitor them, all they want to do is eat and get into trouble. So Gizmo was just like a good mogwai who had been bred and trained and gained wisdom through the years? Right. He was like the Randall Peltzer of gremlins. He was like kind of chubby and lovable and and relatively harmless, but still kind of screw up. (laughs) We can't place any of the blame on Gizmo. I mean, unless you can blame him for being adorable. Yeah, but if he could talk and bye-bye Billy and bye-bye Woof Woof and stuff, you would think he'd been like, hey, watch those bastards or whatever and warned Billy, right? Because he's, he's, he's guilty in his complacency. Like, Billy, the clock is wrong. Right? Like that Fried kind of thing? chicken. Oh, Billy, I turned my pants into a fudge factory. Man, that's a Stand By Me reference from Corey Feldman, also starring in this movie. <laughs> you know the scariest part of Gremlins was? What? The fact that I'm the same age as the dad. Oh, my God. Here we go again. Let's talk about this amazing Gremlins cast. We got Zach Galligan as Billy, who is definitely the precursor to Shia LaBeouf, right? (laughs) And then we've got Corey Feldman, who's just all over the place in the 80s. We're having an unintentional Corey Feldman renaissance. Yep. And yet, as, as prominent as his character is, we don't know what happens to him in the end. He never appears again when stuff starts to go haywire. Yeah, you're right. I think the last time we see him, he is shooting them or or slingshotting gremlins off of his roof. Uh, We also have Judd Reinhold, and who's just like this staple of 1980s films. Yep. And then we got Mike from Breaking Bad. What the heck? To say nothing of Phoebe Cates, who was also big in the 80s with Judd Reinhold in Fast Times in Ridgemont High in this movie and your favorite, Drop Dead Fred. You know, we also have the token Chinese boy. You know, at the in the novelization, he's severely punished for that back alley sale to Mr. Peltzer of the Mogwai. He's punished? Yep. He defied his grandfather. That's why only the grandfather shows up at the end and he doesn't have the kid take him away because that kid is like strung up in a dungeon somewhere. So when he's like sold, I wouldn't have called it sold or something to that effect. What was he saying? That the kid didn't negotiate with the grandfather? He just took Mogwai and sold him under his, not under his nose, under his nose? I don't know what the rent is in a Chinatown basement shop or whatever. He like, he seemed to survive on incense and mysticism. But the kid sold him, practically speaking, because he and grandfather needed money. 
in retrospect, we can see why Grandfather didn't want to sell the mangua. We can see how oblivious Mr. Peltzer is in that he's like, this could be the next big thing, the Peltzer pet. And it's like obviously the least stable organism ever. This is like the cuddly version of a xenomorph. It's like the ultimate killing machine. Like normal human life is not conducive to keeping magua safe. You mean because there's water everywhere? Right. It's always midnight somewhere. It's like the dumbest rule ever. It's always midnight somewhere. <laughs> that sounds like some kind of a happy hour scene. Yeah, it's like the vampire happy hour. <laughs> you know, there's. I don't think there's a single CG shot. I mean, there are tricks like the matte paintings and stuff. The stop motion animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of the gremlins behind the movie screen was probably the most notable and obvious scene. And the whole, there's also the whole gremlins crew cruising down the street upon the first reveal of, of Stripe's new crew. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're like hopping along, like chasing people. It's like a super long lens, compressed shot of them coming like coming up the street for the first time. And you're like, whoa, yeah. there's a lot of them. Best you can do. But uh, that's my favorite part of this movie is when they're just when it's total chaos in the street and Billy and Kate are running around and like they're popping out of car hoods and you can see people being murdered and upstairs windows and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does. It gets super creepy with the lighting and stuff and the fact that they're everywhere. It's like aliens for kids and they're just they're coming to kill you. But also, you know, as as great as those are and those disparate, sparingly used shots of, of stop motion augmentation, the puppet work has its limitations. They came a little bit farther with Gremlins 2 and movies like Child's Play and stuff. But other than that, they're carefully concealed puppets and you cover the wires. And, and so there are limitations that never felt right to me, even as a kid. It's obvious we should see the Gremlin in full frame at that time, but it's limited. And when Stripe gets away, then you like never see him leave that little tricycle he's riding. You just walk up on the spinning tire. The movie suffered from the limitations of the puppetry. It didn't feel big. It felt super small. It felt like an elaborate Muppets stage. That little town, that little circle, back to the future square. And and you mean this in a bad way, like not that the the puppetry kind of made the gremlin monsters even more unsettling, but it, you felt like they were off or unreal. And kind of silly and puppety and dumb. Maybe it was an attempt to check the darker tones, but, you know, there were no shortage of like bonking sound effects and like bird sounds when they would get hit over the head and stuff. And it was silly in conjunction with obviously being puppets that kept the horror at bay, but not, it's strange, not in the best way. Like it's, you're either a horror movie or you're a comedy. And I get that we had movies like House and Fright Night and American Werewolf in London that tread that line, but none of those were meant to be horror comedy for kids with puppets, little puppets at that and cute puppets. You know, they can be scary, like in The Thing and stuff, but these were little baby, minutely articulated puppets that you can only do so much with. Like, how do you make a gremlin look scary and imposing? It's got to be in numbers. Yeah, well, they also have those little razor-sharp teeth. But I think you're hitting on something that's more intrinsic to Gremlins, and that is, how do you make a kid-facing horror film? Like, Paloma and Aurelia are watching Muppets Haunted House. Muppets Haunted Mansion? Haunted Mansion, yeah, Muppets Haunted Mansion, where Gonzo and... um... Pepe the Prawn. How do you know about this? Are you kidding me? I'm sitting right next to Kelly Ray. Where Gonzo and Pepe the Prawn go to the Haunted Mansion. And it's vaguely scary. And they always temper every single scare 
with a joke or breaking of the fourth wall or some kind of, you know, tension reliever. And that's how you do it. You make it like pseudo scary. Like they're always taking the edge off of every single scare. Gremlins is legitimately scary. I don't think this is a kid's movie. And if it's not a kid's movie, I don't know who it's for. Yep. Like I get the romp and the fun and that it's supposed to be silly. But Gremlins I found to be pretty perplexing. <laughs> Stripe shoots a number of people. Exactly. He comes at Billy with a chainsaw in the 80s. They murder Santa on screen. Yes. They inject a teacher and kill him, leaving him under his desk. Two innocent people, one of our supporting characters, gets driven over by a snowplow in his living room. (laughs) What is going on in Gremlins? I think Spielberg was having a tough time in the 80s. And he was just, this was just his working it out on, on screen. Maybe. I have to say, I'm on the fence. Dude, if this were the children's review, movie review network, I would say that Gremlins, like Troop Beverly Hills, in a completely different way, unfit for little kids, maybe the Palomas aren't ready for the Gremlins. But as an adult, I can see what it is. I can see, for me, how it serves its purpose. It's not boring to watch. It's fun. It's inventive. It's maybe the best kind of puppetry within the scope of its limitations for the times. I mean, how many people did they have on the floor of that movie theater controlling like a hundred gremlins at one time? You know, well-crafted, done in that respect. I always like that they go for broke with one tone or another. I just feel like this waffled too much for it to fit solidly into a category for me that I would continually revisit it. And that, you know, it's a little bit too kiddie for me. But Gremlins is by no stretch a bad movie. It's a courageous movie and a daring movie that I think is worthy of an all right. I don't have to give it a totally because I'm pretty sure that everyone at one point or another will see Gremlins. It is embedded somehow in the social consciousness, and gizmos are never going to go away. They just become Furbies. And because of its Christmas nature, it's almost guaranteed that you're going to see this every season. You know, Gremlins didn't work for me. I'm not, like, super eager to, like, share it with my girls. Like, me personally, and my taste, I'd say that Gremlins is a boring. But, uh, you know, I can kind of review it objectively. Man, the internet Gremlins are going to come at you, bro. Let us know why you think Iris is wrong and Gremlins is amazing. A lot of good reviews. 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb. I think there are some definite Gremlin fans out there, even nearly 40 years later. That's our review on Gremlins from 1984, available now on HBO Max. 818-834-8789. (laughs) 818-835-0473. Or whatevermovies at gmail.com. So we're kicking off the holiday season with Gremlins. Please subscribe to our podcast wherever you get podcasts and follow us on Instagram at or whatever movies. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Electric acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. 
It's a talk show covering the changing world around us, from renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Pack podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Electric acid.